0: Mark 12, 26 to 27. And in it, Jesus says, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You're quite wrong. (laughs) Now, in order to understand what's going on here and why I call this the biggest clapback of the century, we have to go back a few verses to verse 18, when The Sadducees ask Jesus about the resurrection, right? So, uh, Mark 12, 18. And the Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, "Teacher teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers, the first took a wife. And when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third alike, and the seven left no offspring. Last last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. I'll be embarrassed. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. All right. Now, to give you guys some, like, context, right, the Sadducees were a religious sect of upper-class people who did not believe in the existence of spirits, they emphasized obedience to the law and they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, right? Now, when you uh, read the New Testament, there are three groups of people you should know about it's the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, and the Essenes, right? And the Sadducees were threatened by uh, Jesus' ministry because it threatened their social status and their political authority. So basically, by defeating Jesus' argument and debating him about the resurrection, if they beat him, they could undermine his whole movement, right? This is like, you know, their trump card. This is like, I'm pretty sure when they said this, they were like dapping each other up and like, GGs, like he's, it's wraps, he's done, you know, it's over. But to understand why they would do this, I need to explain to you this thing in Jewish society at the time. So back then, uh, when a man died but didn't have a child, his brother would marry his wife so his brother could have a child in his name, right? And so, basically, they're like, you know, if it's not possible for all of them to marry him at once, and there's no resurrection, you know, you can't say there's a resurrection. <laughs> he says, and as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to them, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not, God of the, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Right? Right? I, do you guys know that super hot fire meme? Y'all know that, right? I, f- I feel like if I was one of the disciples, that would have been me. That's why I showed y'all that meme, right? I would have been all up in their face. Just like, if you guys have ever watched like, like a rap battle, you know, everyone's like, oh, like afterwards. That would have been me, bro. Because like this is like quite embarrassing. Now, let me tell you why this is embarrassing. Out of all the three groups of religious people I mentioned earlier, these people were strictly about the Torah, Right? They were like, we're only going to pay attention to the Torah. We're only going to teach out of the Torah, right? And it's funny how Jesus used the very thing that they based their whole theology on to prove them wrong, right? And so he takes this verse from the Old Testament, the story of Moses and the burning bush, and he says, Remember, he says that they're wrong because, no, if they remember, God is the God of the living. And in the Old Testament, many times it had been repeated that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were already dead, right? So he was trying to prove to them that they're living, right? And his point was that when people follow God, they don't cease to exist, but they live eternally. And he directed them back to the truth of Scripture by, you know, destroying their argument. And this story of Moses and the burning bush... I think it still has a lot to say today about a relationship with God. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel like Mark 12, great clapback, right? Like, if you read the New Testament, I, I love all those little places where the, people try to try Jesus. Like, you, you're trying to try my Lord and Savior. Like, you know, he's not about that. Like, they try to, you know, get him somehow. But he always, you know, ends up victorious. He always has the right words to say. And as amazing as that is, Right? And I would encourage you all to, like, whenever you read the Bible, right, and you get to one of those places, please remember this. And please, like, in your head, like, super hot fire, you know, just, like, start, like, oh, wow. Now, this verse has a lot to tell us about who we are and our relationship with God. And so in Exodus 3, 5 to 11, it says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, so the place you're standing in is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come now to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. It's a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk, honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites. Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So he says, and, now the, and the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I think this is a question that sums up, like, how a lot of us feel about God, right? You know, there's, whatever we're called, we're like, you know, I'm not the most faithful, I don't read my Bible all the time, I'm not the best speaker, why would you use me? Like, I'm pretty sure there are, like, a bunch of other good people you could use, right? And you know, we think about all these examples of people who are, you know, great Christians that we've heard about, right, and we're like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Where's my space in all of this? And the way I see this verse, there's so much doubt that's structured in it. You know, I can just imagine Moses thinking, you know, why am I an 80-year-old, you know, shepherd? Who am I to go against the most powerful ruler in the world? You know, who am I as an exile, someone who was born into immense privilege to lead a people who have rejected me? Don't we relate to this? Like, whenever you're given something that's kind of, like, impossible, don't you, like, doubt yourself. Don't you ask about your abilities and what the person who was telling you to do that thing was thinking. You know, what does this person see in me? Why would they think I'm up for this? However, I think being, like, asked by God to do something should never lead us, like, doubt ourselves or should never lead to, like, a lack of confidence. And I think this text that we're looking at, it offers several reasons that We struggle to say yes to God. And the first reason being our fear of inadequacy. And we see this repeatedly in the Old Testament, right? You know, when God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. You know, we kind of see this with Moses too. You guys remember that, right? That one of the things he said to God was, I'm not a good speaker. And God gave him Aaron to help him speak. And then Gideon, when God asked Gideon to go... Take down the Midianites. He said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. And God said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, living none alive. In Isaiah, we see this too. He says, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. And so I want to tell you all tonight that this fear of inadequacy, this feeling that I'm not good enough, I don't measure up. That's not something that's unique to any of us, right? There, there's so many people in the Bible that have experienced this fear and this, you know, this, just this anxiety about what God's calling them to do, right? And so, if you feel that way whenever you're being called, it, it's completely natural, because we're we're always when we're giving a great task, we're always going to doubt our abilities, doubt what we can, doubt what we can do, and ask why did God call me to do this thing? I think. The second reason that a lot of us struggle to say yes to God is, you know, the power of shame, right? You know, if you think back to the story of Moses, right, do y'all remember why he ran back to the, ran to the wilderness? It was because he had killed that Israelite and he was caught, right, and he was like, I can't be around here anymore. And, you know, he went from being next in line to the Egyptian throne to being, you know, herding sheep, right? You guys have heard from, uh grass to grace, right? This is grace the grass, like it's like completely backward, right? Like, like how do how do you fumble the bag, right? Like he's like, imagine you could become president of the United States, right? Or you are president of the United States, and you you go to like working like a normal nine to five, or just you know a normal day job. It's like there's there's so much, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much that changes, right? It does something to your self esteem, you, you know what you think about yourself, and I think this power of shame, you know, it was like something that made Moses to fear this calling because he was captured by it. He did not think he was the right person for this mission because, you know, there was so much already done in his past and he did not feel like he was up for it because of his history. And honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys, when I was asked to preach today, I did not feel like this was something I should be doing or something that I was good enough to do because as many of you all know, I went to college the past year and it was the best and worst year of my life. There were so many you know, high points, or so many good points, but there was a lot of you know, temptation. There was a lot of times when I messed up. There were times when I hurt people and it's like, go back and reflect. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that it did not deter me, and I'm glad that God is still able to, you know, do something about that. Uh, I wanna tell y'all that whenever you feel like your shame is holding you back, that's the devil, you know, just imagine him somewhere just like rubbing his fist together, just saying, yeah, another one, onto the next, right? No, he's got you where he wants you, right? And by just, you know, by just escaping that, by just saying no, I'm gonna trust in God. You're fooling His plans, right? You know, it's like every time Perry the Platypus. You know, that's something that Dr. Schmidt. I love that show. I'm sorry, it's, it's amazing. I love that show. You know, I used to have this Perry the Platypus. Never mind, I used to have this Perry Platypus backpack. And uh, after this, I think I'm gonna bring it back. Uh, you're just gonna. See, people are just gonna see me going from lecture to lecture with a Perry the Platypus backpack. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the third reason that I think we struggle to say yes to God when we're called is our short-sightedness and our forgetfulness, right? And and so let me just ask you this question, right? If you believe that God is all-powerful, he's capable of everything, he cares for your well-being, he cares for that, he has the best possible plan for everyone, what's stopping you from accepting that calling, right? You know, I think sometimes we forget this truth. It escapes from us. You know, we allow fear to consume us, and we forget who is in control. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes we're so focused on what's going on in the present that we forget, you know, what God's done for us in the past, right? And what he's promised to do for us in the future. And I think with Moses, right, you know, he had grown up hearing all these stories about, you know, the God of his forefathers and what they did. I'm sure in that moment, that was not the first thing he thought about. He wasn't thinking about God's power, you know, God, God's God's vision, or where God had led his people in the past. He was thinking about, wow, I'm going against the most powerful nation in the world, and I'm 80 years old, like, and my pension hasn't kicked in yet. And you're asking me to go, you know, leave this comfortable life I have. I just, I just, I took this major L, and I, I'm finally at peace with it. And you're going to go ask me to do extra, you know. I would have felt like that too, you know, like you're 80 years old, like, like God, what do you want from me? But I think sometimes we forget that although we're, we have limits, that God's reliability is, con- is constant and limitless, you know, God has no limits, that it's not our strength or wisdom that matters, but God's power and his omniscience, you know, that whatever it is we're being called to do, if God knows everything, right, let me if God knows everything, God knows what's already happened, what's happening right now, what's going to happen, right, why would he ask you to do something if he knew you were going to fail? You, you get what I'm saying? You know, and I think when we're just in the present and we're thinking about this, sometimes we forget that. We forget God's power and what he's capable of. And I just want to say that although the, this story, it highlights how our fears hinder us from our calling... When we also look at it, we should see how God can do a lot through us when we submit to his vision. Because we all know how the story ends, right? Like, y'all have heard the story of Moses, right? And the the wilderness and the 40 years and all that. You you know that Moses, in the end, Moses led the Israelites to many trials and difficulties, but they got home. He established a great nation that would change the world forever. Now, how many of y'all in here have a name from the Bible? Can you raise your hand? How many many people in here have a name that's from the Bible? That's a lot. Do y'all realize that a lot of us in here are from different places, from different cultures, you know, different walks of life, but the names that were given to us are from this other culture, right? From people who lived thousands of years ago. I I find that pretty cool, right? And if Moses hadn't taken God's calling, if Moses hadn't taken them through the wilderness, if, if they hadn't reached the final destination, if they hadn't defeated all the kingdoms that they would defeat, if they hadn't built this great culture, this great society, a lot of us wouldn't have the names we have right now. We'd probably have a name like Fred and Alice and Joe. And if there's anyone in, there, in here with that name, I am so sorry if I offended you. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at Eric, and he's looking at me, and he's like, you're, you're done. <laughs> All right, y'all. I think I'm out of a job, but let's keep going. <laughs> um, okay, so what I'm trying to say, right, is not that God's asking you to, you know, leave everything and go start a new country or lead a group of people or that he wants you to, you know, start, do miracles, or any of that, right? You know. I think what this verse what this whole passage tells us, right, is that we have unique skills that fit our identity and God wants to use them, right? Cuz remember how we talked about, you know, fear of inadequacy earlier and how Moses had that? I think if we just step back and we thought about it a little, this would all make sense to us, right? Cuz think about it, you know, Moses had an Egyptian education, right? Moses could speak both languages. He understood the royal court. You know, he had a relationship with Pharaoh, right? You know, they grew up together. That's his boy. Was his boy. But, and he knew both nations. He understood their cultures, right? So, who else could be better to do a mission like this? You know, who else would have, you know, that connection, that knowledge? You know, things like that. And he probably didn't realize it at the time. That he was the best of both worlds. No, he was quite literally, you know, in the best of both worlds. And to be honest, I never watched Anna Montana, but I just heard the, the theme song. And everyone keeps talking about that best of both worlds. So I did, that's why I put it in there, you know. Sounds nice. <laughs> and I want I to take us to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve, four 4-7. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so what Paul is saying is that we all have different skills. We all have different abilities. We all have different gifts, right? But we get it from the same spirit, from the same God, for the same mission, right? We're like we're like one body, right? We're, we all do different things. Some of you in here are like the eyes, you know. Some of you are like the thumb or if you want to be the toes, I don't know. It's up to you. But God has given us different skills and different abilities, and they're unique to who we are, our identity, our experiences, our upbringing, our culture, right? And he wants to use it in different ways. And you're probably wondering, you know, how will I know what my calling is, what I'm being called to? Or how do I hear the voice of God? I think the best way to do that is to get to know God and get to know his character through reading Bible, right? Because there's so many forces, there's so many voices that are vying for our attention, right? And how will we know which one is from God unless we know his character? And we can know his character by reading the Bible, by reading scripture, by getting to know what he would say and what he wouldn't say. And so I hope that as we go through this series uh, during the rest of the summer, that you guys continue to do that. Like the rest of this week, you know, they're reading plans on every seat. And I hope you read your Bible and you just, you know, get to know God, to know his character. Get to know what you want from you. And um, I also hope that after this, when I go into the office tomorrow, I will have a job. And my stuff won't be on the streets. And Eric won't be standing there like this. Like, you know, just looking at me. Like, you, you got to find another church, buddy. You know? uh, like, I don't know what I'll do. I'll be devastated. But um, I really want to say that... Uh, As we go through the rest of the summer, I just want that to be a theme in you guys head that, you know, the Old Testament is really important to us, right? Because as I said earlier, you know, in the first century, this is all the scripture they had. A lot of the teachings Jesus, the teachings you see Jesus preach about in the New Testament comes a lot from the stuff that's already in the Old Testament. And by understanding the Old Testament, we can see, you know, the connection. We can see why Jesus said what he said You know, why people reacted to his ministry the way they did. And it can just help us understand God's character better. And so as we wrap this up, uh, I would like to pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone in here. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for what you're doing through them. I thank you that on this Wednesday, when they could have been doing anything else, like watching the game or making TikToks or being on FaceTime, that they chose to be here with you. That they value their relationship with you, and they're ready for the next step with you. I pray, Lord, that as we leave you tonight, that you remind each and every one of us how you've called us to a mission. You've called us to do something. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to, you know, accept it, help us to react well, help us to, help us to just trust in you and to, to believe that you'll see us through and you help us complete it. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in you that you've called to do something, who's doubting that calling, who's finding it hard to believe that this is what you are for them, I pray the Lord that this will be the sign they needed, and that you'll just, you push them to do mighty things and to do what you want for the betterment of this world, and so that more people come to know you, the, the whole world.